so I'll just read it out and see. The Loki series allows the Loki's first chance to shine as the titular character. everyone. Um, you are listening to the Arts Report on CITR Radio at 101.9 FM, and we are broadcasting live from the UBC Point Grey campus on the unceded, ancestral, and traditional... Wow, uh, that was a lot of words at the same time without breathing. I'm sorry. <laughs> the unceded, ancestral, and traditional territories of the Musqueams um, peoples in Vancouver. I am your host, Lua Presigio, and I'm here with... Silvana, hi. Hi, everyone. Uh, we're so happy to be in studio again today. Uh, for today's shows, uh, as we mentioned last week, a few weeks ago, oh, who knows now? What, t- what is time? What um, is? VIF is up and running, and that has been very exciting, and we have a lot to talk about, uh, a bunch of different VIF stuff, uh, VIF uh, films to talk about today. But before we start uh, talking about uh, some of these films that we watched uh, and some of them that you should definitely watch too, uh, I'd like to do a quick shout out to White Fortress. This is a Vancouver-based award-winning director, sorry, Vancouver-based award-winning director, Igor um, Durjaka, wanted to make a film that reflected today's post-war Saravidro, where he spent half of his childhood before immigrating to Canada. Uh, White Fortress follows Farouk, an orphan in a rundown Saravejo suburb of Alipasino, Poggi. I'm having a really hard time with names. I'm really sorry. Um, mm. <laughs> but he who spends his days foraging for scrap metals and dabbling in petty crime. One day, he meets Mona, a timid teen from a politically powerful and affluent family. And as Mona dreams of escaping her overwhelming toxicity of her home life, she, she, wow, she seeks refuge with Farouk, a boy from a world completely different than her own. Uh, White Fortress will have two in-person screenings as part of VIF. Um, they are at the Van City Theatre on Saturday, October 9th, so this upcoming weekend at 9 p.m., and at the Hollywood Theatre on Monday, October 11th at 3.30 p.m. And uh, Monday, October 11th will be Viv's last day, unfortunately. Yes. So if you want some plans for the weekend, for the definitely check weekend. out. For the long weekend, exactly. Definitely check out Viv. Um, Viv is also, this film is also, White Fortress is also streaming digitally for the duration of the festival. Uh, through VIF Connect, which is a pretty cool initiative from VIF to make movies a little bit more accessible during COVID times, where 80%, that is correct, you heard that right, 80% of all VIF films are online. And the pass for VIF Connect is super affordable, and there are just great movies on there. And it's just a great way to, like, if you're not super comfortable with going to um, movie theaters yet, but you still want to catch some of these really cool films that might not be in mainstream mainstream theaters anytime soon or at all uh this is a really great way to do it and so um we're going to move on and start the show with an interview with a lovely natalie holt and um 
yeah, we'll we'll start with that. And after that, we have a lot of movies to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> so let me leave you with um, a Natalie Holtz, the interview. That was weird. Okay, bye again. How are you doing? Great, thank you. So you've done music for this new movie coming to Netflix, Fever Dream, which looks really cool. Do you want to talk a bit about what that process was like? The movie is in Spanish. So does that change much scoring the film in another language? Oh, yeah. So I had this kind of experience where they flew me over to watch a review in Barcelona and they hadn't got the subtitles. <laughs> and I, I really like I've seen the film quite a few times, but I was like, oh, wow, I really I'm just losing so much here without having the subtitles. So that was kind of a bit of a funny waste of a day. <laughs> Because I just feel like, yeah, if you're, I mean, my Spanish is like, I can order a beer. <laughs> like, it's really bad. So, yeah, that was, most of the time it was fine, though, because everyone spoke English and, like, the director was really great at explaining what she wanted. And, you know, I read the script in English and generally had subtitles. So I, I yeah, really found it a great process on the whole. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, working on something in a different language would be so interesting, but... I think I know maybe all of like four words in Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, music transcends language. So it was recently announced that you'll be doing Batgirl. That's super cool. I know you probably can't say too much about it, but you're getting involved in all these like big superhero projects. Do you have any favorite heroes and villains? Oh my gosh, that's an interesting one. I really loved, I really loved Loki. Like I, I felt so lucky to get to score that show because he was one of my favorite Marvel characters. I just found him so fun and cheeky and Thor Ragnarok was my, yeah, one of my favorites. Just, I love Taika and the kind of slightly kooky craziness of it. So yeah, I already feel like I've got to score one of my favorite superheroes. <laughs> if Loki, is he a superhero? Is he a baddie? He's kind of totally ambiguous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is really cool. I can't imagine being able to personally work on a project of something you've admired because, I mean, him as a character, he's been around for like upwards of a decade now. Like, I feel like Tom had already cemented him as such a cool character, like bef long before a television show was even thought of, in my opinion. Yeah. He just sold it so well that the characters kind of become this whole other thing. Yeah, and you kind of see him aging a bit when you go, you know, when you watch the first Thor movie. Yeah, and then to where he is now, it's like he's a 20-something, a, a young 20-year-old guy, and now he's 40. And, you know, you can see he's grown into that role as well. So it's quite cool. Yeah, definitely. It's interesting to see the comparison of Thor 1, where it's just kind of like a... You know, I feel like he really made the character his own as time went on. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I mentioned him being morally ambiguous. Do you find making a score like a different process for like a superhero versus kind of like, I don't even know how to describe him. He's good and bad, I guess, like depending on where the situation befits him. But did you find that different or are you finding that different creating a soundtrack for a superhero versus whatever he is? Yeah, I think it's like, I mean, the score that I did for Fever Dream, it's like a kind of really emotional, real-life story. Well, there's a kind of supernatural element to it, but it's quite a character piece, and it's like what I did for it had to be really subtle and 
yeah I didn't do anything that was kind of bombastic or sticking out too much I was kind of I'm always trying to serve the story so but Loki just like was a more theatrical it was it was kind of fun to be able to play with those to go to those bigger places like dealing with like the universe and like like grand themes and yeah it just I felt like I could kind of go a bit bigger and bolder than I usually get to do in a kind of real life drama kind of story but but it's yeah it's nice to have the variety and the chance to to do the spectrum like and and get to do those subtle things and those kind of giant things (laughs) it's yeah I mean especially with something that's like transcends space and time like you can kind of play around with it I really liked all your inclusion of like the theremin there was something kind of like cheeky and fun about a lot of the Loki soundtrack for me anyway it's definitely something I noticed I don't know if I always find myself noticing the music but I feel like Loki definitely had like a very distinct sound to it which is to say you did great I love the sound I was hoping to not bombard you too much with Loki questions because I feel like you've probably discussed quite a bit of Loki <laughs> since it has come out but I do have a couple here I I was trying to figure out a way to word this in a way that made sense so I'll just read it out and see the Loki series allowed for Loki's first chance to shine as the titular character within his own Marvel project what was it like creating his distinct sound especially when the introduction of the multiverse leads to such a variety in Loki portrayals throughout the show so I guess it was just like everybody knows and loves Tom's original portrayal but once he comes into the TVA, it's it's not even necessarily the same character anymore because he's gone off. And as the show goes on, you meet a million other Lokis. And just how was that? Like creating a consistent sound when there's like a million different versions of him running around? Oh my gosh. Well, it was cool because he existed. And it was like, I, it wasn't like Batgirl where um there there isn't, she's not done it yet like I don't know I can't tell they haven't even started shooting it yet and I'm so that's all it's like all of it is me imagining it from the script there's nothing to like watch as reference particularly but obviously Loki it's like I could go and watch all of these films and see him and see Tom in his costume and see how like I just knew him already so I was reading the script and it was so much more vivid because like Owen Wilson I guess I didn't know how he was gonna play it but so actually coming up with the Loki theme happened really fast like I came up with it when I was doing the pitch to get the job and it stuck like his theme stuck in there the TVA theme came a bit later and then I realized that it was Kang's theme so that was kind of fun to see that all through and then have it be there at the end and it's like oh my god he's been in charge the whole time and then obviously um I had that Wagner that idea of putting the ride of the Valkyries over the top of top of the Loki theme so then when when you had that scene in episode five with classic Loki battling the Elias then I was like oh let's just play ride of the Valkyries because that works for classic Loki like Wagner of course it's that's classic so yeah that it, it just it kind of just oh it was like a jigsaw puzzle but it, it kind of like I, I didn't actually <clears throat> I didn't know that I was gonna do the full version of Ride of the Valkyries with the Elias scene in episode five that just kind of yeah <laughs> okay popped into my mind when I watched it one last question I know you've been speaking on you know reading the script and things but did you actually get a chance to 
like did you walk around set or did you speak with the actors like I know with COVID and I'm not entirely sure how people go about scoring just if I'm being honest so I'm just kind of curious about like did you actually go in and get hands-on or was a lot of it more kind of like at a distance (laughs) yeah people often say that when I'm like oh I'm a a tv film composer and they're like oh right oh my god do you get to watch the do you get to watch it (laughs) yeah I mean I sit there with I get the edit of the movie or tv show so I'll have like a movie file of that which I'll run in a sequencer so and then I'll kind of play the piano along and watch watch it and like link up my music to the thing and I can go back and forth and but yeah I'm constantly watching it and going over and over and over scenes and yeah I'm, I'm not just like scoring it on the piano and then not you know like yeah it's quite sort of involved but I don't I don't get to go on set very often and sadly I didn't get to go on set with with this because of COVID and it was in Atlanta and I was in the UK and I was I was kind of angling for a part like playing on the train (laughs) I was like I could play this bass violin on the train (laughs) but they had they got they got an actor in Atlanta to do it maybe next time (laughs) yeah hopefully hopefully they continue and you get to do that I forgot about it being in Atlanta I suppose that does add a whole other thing if you're all the way in the UK but no I did I did meet afterwards like Tom and Tom played the Loki theme because I wrote the Loki theme like they'd only just started shooting and then they went back to shoot after the lockdown by which time I'd written the Loki theme and apparently he was like playing it on set and like getting his stuff in the mood <laughs> with the with the score so that was quite cool to know that he was doing that and yeah he called up and he was just like saying how much he loved the music so that was really nice that is really sweet I'm glad he liked it he's yeah he's a really lovely he's a really sweet person <laughs> as was the whole like Kate and everyone I can't like there wasn't a bad egg on that on that production yeah nice group nice team all right. Well, it's been so nice chatting with you. Thank you for you indulging too. me all these questions. I really hope oh. you have a safe flight and that you enjoy coming Thank here. Thank you. Oh, thanks. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye. And that was our lovely Olivia Marguerite interviewing Natalie Holt, who will be a session participant for VIF AMP's The Art of Composition, scoring epically on October 10th. Um, yeah, and so with that, we're going to go into a quick Adam PSA break. And when we come back, we're going to be talking about uh, some amazing movies uh, and recommending a few more that we haven't watched, but we're really excited to uh, watch this coming week yes. and talk about next week. The Sweetgrass Clan is a volunteer-based coalition that provides safety, security, and essential resources to the most vulnerable members of the downtown Eastside community. In addition to providing food and safety, the Sweetgrass Clan also connects people with advocates for housing, mental health counseling, and drug and alcohol detox. The Sweetgrass Clan is always looking for new volunteers to support the downtown Eastside community and are able to offer volunteers grocery gift cards and bus tickets as honorariums. If you would like to offer your volunteer support to the Sweetgrass Clan, you can reach out via email at abfrontdoor.org or visit abfrontdoor.org.
Red Cat Records is an amazing artist-owned and operated record store. Shop from their diverse online music collection and get free shipping within Vancouver and the Lower Mainland with the purchase of two or more LPs. If you would like to further support them through the evolving COVID-19 crisis, you can do so by buying a gift card to use at a later date. Visit www.redcat.ca for more information. Individuals who cool uh and that was our quick ad and psa break um hope you enjoy that volunteer for sweetgrass clan and yeah stuff um but (laughs) on to viv um sylvana and i uh watched a few movies together and then we watched a few separately Mm -hmm. both in theater and through viv connect um something that i'd like to say before we begin is that i think it's really cool that before every single movie of if there's a really extensive not only land acknowledgement but um well it's not is it land acknowledgement with some songs mm-hmm. with um some words that are coming from uh indigenous coast salish specifically peoples mm-hmm. um to acknowledge that this festival is being hosted in their traditional land and I think it's the way VIF does it is a really cool approach that really puts the importance in why land acknowledgements are something that we do and not just, you know, like just one more thing to be done before we start something else, yeah. right? Like I think it finally, not finally, but it does give the relative, the, the importance it needs to be given. Um, yeah. And I thought it was really cool. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. It definitely goes beyond just like putting the land acknowledgement up there, like, as if it was credits, but it would just like goes beyond to give the voice to the actual um, people that represent um, the Musqueam, the Squamish and the Tsleil-Waututh peoples. Um, and you can also not skip it. Like p- part of this connect at any time that you click on a link, it t- it like leads you there, but it's not part of the video itself. It's just takes you there. And after that, it takes you to the movie. So that way it like, grounds you down it's like wake up it's not just some netflix experience like you we are in this is a fifth film yeah Yeah. um cool and with that uh the first movie sylvie and i watched um on the very first day of fifth because we were too excited (laughs) to wait even a single day was a movie called girlfriends that i believe is spanish yes um spanish isn't from spain not just oh yes yes. (laughs) it's important the clarification um and this film tells the story of this um, woman. Uh, she's probably like in her mid to mid twenties. Yeah. Uh, she lives in Barcelona, but she ends up losing her job and she has to move back home with her parents. Mm-hmm. I'm sure a lot she's of people. A yeah, I'm also sure a lot of people during COVID can relate to that experience. And the film is basically about her reconnecting to her roots to find mm-hmm. her creative passion again and like where to take her photography next. Yeah. Um, overall for me, this was a good movie. It, but it wasn't mind blowing. It, um, mm-hmm. I, I, I enjoyed it. It was a fun watch, but, um, I don't know. It was a good slow intro into VIF, uh, where usually I choose some a lot heavier themed movies. <laughs> it was nice to just be like, oh, this is a cool film. Like, this was enjoyable to watch. Yeah, it was definitely a fun watch. And it's also like the theme of 
well, your friends, <laughs> your girlfriends that are like always there to support you and also the importance of like valuing not just those people that look out for you, but people that have been there from the very beginning. So um, in the beginning, in the beginning of the film, um, Martha, who's the um, main character, she gets asked like where she's from. And she's just like, oh, just right outside Barcelona. Like and it's a very like city centric like way of uh, to put it because she doesn't even name her hometown yeah she's obviously very ashamed of it yes definitely um and now she's living this like big city life trying to like mingle with other photographers other creatives um but this moment of losing her job is a way to really reconnect on who am i like who is there um to support me and what can i do for my community as well so i thought that was really nice and really endearing um there were some really like funny scenes and like they have their like spanish humor like i speak spanish so i was trying to just like connect with the actual spanish words there are some words that i still don't understand <laughs> because they are so slangy <laughs> and i still needed the support of the um subtitles. of the subtitles But it was fun. It was definitely not like boom, but it was a fun watch for like a Friday afternoon. Super yeah. chill. Yeah, I think it's it's a great film if um, you're in that phase of your life where you're trying to figure out who you are. I think a lot of the film is figuring out who you are and who you can depend on. Mm-hmm. I think it's also about friendships that allow you to grow and don't yeah. keep you stuck in a certain you know like phase of life mm-hmm. um watching it i i think I, there was a time a moment in the film that i turned to sylvia's like is that going to be us in a few years <laughs> <laughs> when we go home and like meet up with our high school friends and i'm like oh my god <laughs> probably not i i did not have those close relationships in high school <laughs> yes yeah, and um i think it's really amazing when people do i think those those friendships are really important for some people and they're really cool Um, but I also see the value of, um, you know, having friendships, I think having friendships that allow you to grow, right? Because I yeah. think that if you have to go back and when you go back or meet certain people from your past, you revert back to the mental state that you were when you were friends with them or were closer to them. I don't think that's beneficial for anyone. And, um, this film, uh, really helps put that, that part in perspective of like, And finding a balance between wanting to be someone, wanting to imitate someone that Mm -hmm. is so far away from who her friends know her as, Mm -hmm. but still allowing her to grow from the high school self that she was. Yeah. Right? There's a balance there to be be found. And I think the movie really explores what that balance is. Exactly. Like, you can't go back to who you were, but you also don't need to fake to be something that you're not exactly you know people that also respect your goals um and in the other side all people that also respect where you come from and where your values are at yeah so yeah yeah girlfriends very nice um <laughs> the spanish name is chavalas uh, chavalas um yeah. i thought that i just think it's a funny name <laughs> <laughs> yeah we don't use it in like i mean in, i don't think we use it in latin america at all <laughs> just like It's just a word that it's used in Spain. But it's fun. It was a fun. Yeah. And so another film I watched, and this one I did watch at the Rio Theater. There is one more viewing for this show. 
There's one more viewing for sorry screening for the show. Mm -hmm. I did the viewing. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That is the Saturday, October ninth, and I definitely like. I cannot recommend this movie enough for a Friday Saturday night date or just like fun moment. It's a fun film. It's called Strawberry Mansion. Um, mm-hmm. And it's a very surreal film. It's one of those films that as you're watching, you're thinking, man, I'm watching a cult film. Like I'm watching a oh film that's going to become a cult film in a few years. And it's it's rare to have those moments. I think those moments are so cool to like uh, be able to like pinpoint. It's like, oh, man, this this movie is going to be important somehow or this mm-hmm. movie is going to be like uh, have an influence somehow. And that's how I felt watching Strawberry Mansion. So the premise of Strawberry Mansion, uh, oh yeah, it's from the Altered States uh, series. So in case you're not familiar, VIF has certain categories. There are multiple categories and almost films fall within one of these categories. Mm-hmm. Um, the Girlfriends? Girlfriends fell into... It's contemporary world cinema. Contemporary world cinema, which makes very a lot of sense. Yeah. It's very <laughs> grounded in contemporary world. Uh, Strawberry Mansion falls into the Altered States mm-hmm. um, series. And again, makes Ooh. perfect sense <laughs> for what it is. Uh, so the premise of the film is that it's the year 2035 in this alternate universe where everyone is taxed on their dreams. Um, which means that if you dream of something, let's say you dream of a castle, Now that castle is yours in your dream, not physically, but in your dream, and you're taxed on the castle that you dreamed of. Oh my god. Yeah. (laughs) That sounds like a nightmare. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's kind of like almost dystopian, um, Mm -hmm. but the film really doesn't pull you in that dystopian sense. It's not necessarily a critique of society. It's more of like the exploration of dreams, Mm -hmm. right? And so um, this old lady uh, called... Isadora or is it Isabella? Okay. Um, I believe. Oh, Arabella. That was her name. I don't know. Okay. She just she's just referenced as Bella throughout the film. Bella. Um, she still has all her dreams in uh VCR VCR tapes. Oh wow. Yeah, and so they actually Vintage. had transitioned to like SD cards or something like that, but because of that, she hasn't really reported any of her dreams, and she hasn't been paying taxes. So this government employee needs to come to her house and do an audit of all her dreams uh, to make sure she's paying her the proper taxes. Oh, my God. And uh, the story is basically you follow this man that's coming to her house, experiencing her dreams through his view. Right. And the film utilizes it's live action, but it utilizes multiple forms of animation that are so beautiful they use claymation stop motion uh puppetry uh just really gorgeous beautiful stuff and um i don't know it just really you know how like people are like oh it was dreamlike but it's when they mean dreamlike they mean like fantastical and just just too beautiful to exist Mm -hmm. in the real world this movie was dreamlike in the sense of exactly what dreams are where they start in the middle they end in the middle yeah. um, they make no sense they make no sense sometimes and sometimes they make perfect sense in yeah. a really weird nonsensical way yeah. 
And that's exactly what this this film is. And so the A plot of the film is fairly simple. It's fairly straightforward. It's just this man looking through her dreams. Mm-hmm. And then there's like um, something that happens that triggers another action that I don't want to spoil because I think it's when it was one of those ones of like, <gasps> oh <my laughs> so I definitely God. don't want to spoil it. Um, but the complications or the, the intricacies of this film come in when there's the b bleep the the wow words the b plots that's added the c plot that's added and the d plot that's added so it's like just so many layers of stories Mm -hmm. that is honestly kind of hard to follow at times and the film leaves a lot of unanswered questions on purpose i feel um it's not a film to be content with like oh it has a beginning middle and end mm-hmm. it's more of a, an experience as a whole and that's part of the reason that i enjoyed it so much was because i was just sitting in my chair and i was just like so involved in the movie that apparently Whoa. i went with my partner and apparently someone's phone started playing in the middle of the theater mm-hmm. i didn't even realize there was a phone playing because i was so immersed in wow. the film um yeah, it was it was an amazing experience. I definitely recommend Strawberry Mansion. Um, if you like weird animation, this is definitely the film. Um, and it's also a social critique, but I don't want to get too much into the social critique aspect of it because it's okay. part of like a plot twist that occurs. And mm. I'm just like, ah, yes. That sounds really fun. <laughs> it was so good. It was so good. I love that movie so much. I just like can't stop recommending it. I want everyone to watch it because okay. I want to talk about it with people. Like, So I need everyone to watch it to just be able to tell me what they thought about it mm. so we can talk about it. It's such a great conversation starter. That's why I say like, you have a date? Mm, this, <laughs> this, this is not a bad idea. <laughs> Saturday, October 9th, 4.15 at the Rio. There you go. There you go, people. Um, we yeah. May, we may meet each other. Sylvia's <laughs> so like, oh, I think I'm going to go to this one oh, now. <laughs> there's just so many movies and so little time. That's true. Um, so would you like to talk about the quickening? Okay, yes, quickening. Um, so quickening is a film that is part of the True North category, which means Canada. So it is a Canadian film. Um, and it was directed by Haya Wasim. And basically, I think it's a, it touches very important topics, um, especially regarding mental health and regarding um, the struggles that um, sometimes immigrant, sorry, immigrants and uh, first-generation Canadians um, may experience when, like, straddling different um, family expectations and cultural expectations with um, um, your day-to-day and your life in Canada. So, um, basically, Quickening follows Sheila, who is um, Pakistani-Canadian, and we kind of see her interactions with her family, um, and how her mom is kind of like all over her and her siblings. Um, we see we see them like her and her family going to um, larger family gatherings. Um, we see how people act, how people dress. Um, uh, we see the expectations. We see um, the messages that they uh, that people get from even from like watching um, TV. Um, 
and maybe how how girls should act in like Pakistani society um and then that is contrasted with her experience um studying performing arts at a university so um I don't want to spoil too much because it is on Vif Connect. Um, so that means that you can literally watch it anytime. Um, and basically what what happens is that there is a moment in which like her the world for Sheila is kind of like falling apart a little bit because there is a mishap with this boy that she met that she meets in university um, that doesn't go as well as she planned. And so a lot starts happening and she starts having like um, a mental health journey into um, what does this mean for me? What do I want to do with this decision? What do I want to do with the situation? Um, well, who do I want to let in um, as well? Um, well it's, it's, <laughs> it's part of the synopsis that she has a pregnancy scare. Yes, but I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to say too much about it if you haven't yeah. read the synopsis. Um, but yeah, basically follows her um, very closely. Um, and I feel like the one thing about the movie was that it was a bit slow, which is a little bit ironic considering the name the quickening. is Quickening. <laughs> Not the Quickening, um, just Quickening. Exactly. Um, so it was a little bit slow, but it is because we do see all these different frames um, like we see Sheila kind of like, like falling into herself and, um, very quiet scenes of like what's happening around her and that it just like feels a little bit slow, but it's definitely a very important topic. Um, it's, I think really poignant to ask these questions. Um, I feel like, um, given that I like came here as an international student, for instance, I'm, and having this like transnational experiences, I could connect to Sheila in like some some respects and be like, what would happen um, if X situation happened? What would happen to me? Like, who do I rely on? Who is here and who is there? Um, where are where are my loyalties? Where do I belong? So those topics I feel are definitely super interesting to explore. It was just a little bit slow, but. I mean, if you don't fall asleep in movies, like, <laughs> you'll have no problem. I, like, I didn't. Um, but, but, yeah, that's kind of, like, a bit a bit of the review for Quickening. Yeah. And so okay. um, I have watched, well, I'm still watching uh, Godavari. I'm missing a, f- a uh, like, I'm halfway through the movie. Um, and... Um, yeah, wait, let me let me read out what this movie is about mm-hmm. first. Uh, so every month, uh, Nishikant walks through his town of Nish- Nashik, collecting rent for his family of landowners. Each repetition of the cycle only intensifies his bitterness and anger towards his tenants, his parents, his daughter, and the river that runs through the city, uh, the Godavari. Just as his anger threatens to boil over, his family is confronted with a series of tragedies and revelations that shift their lives and their world into clearer focus. So the film starts already with like all almost in the middle of the action, but not quite. Um, It's in the middle of his day. So the movie starts with him already kind of like collecting the rent and you don't really understand what's going on. 
not because it's not clear that he's collecting rent, but you don't understand what's going on with him. He just seems really unsatisfied with life, really frustrated. Um, you know that he, for some reason, doesn't live with his parents, although his wife and his daughter all live together and with his parents. Uh, something has happened and you don't know what it is. Um, obviously, there's some tension in the relationships and there are some moments that as he's walking through town, he has not necessarily these flashbacks, but almost as like intrusions of memory mm-hmm. where he looks onto a door and he sees his family posing for a picture, right? And so like all these moments of disconnect that you're not entirely sure what is happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so this movie definitely hooked me, right? Like it hooked me. And I will say, I don't want to spoil it. I don't want to like give away too much because I think part of it being uh, part of the interesting part of Godavari is the construction of the story, the the letting the viewer know, letting the viewer explore as an outsider, mm-hmm. letting the viewer see things from an outsider perspective and to linger on these moments that you're just not entirely sure what is exactly happening and like sorting it through. Um, I will say something that I thought was really interesting. Like as soon as the movie started, I was like, this is beautiful. The cinematography is absolutely gorgeous. Um, uh, the framing, I, I love the way the camera always lingers on just a second too long. Like it's just a second longer after the scenes end. And you get to experience kind of like this whole world, uh, this whole like um, perspective. And I don't know, just this, this space that you're not, well, at least I'm not familiar with. Mm-hmm. And something that I think was really refreshing for me and I think part of the reason it's really refreshing for me is because uh, most of the films that I've watched, there are like a fully Indian cast um, that aren't, you know, centered on Western narrative or Orientalist in any way or something like that are Bollywood movies. Yeah, (laughs) side side note, (laughs) are Bollywood movies, which I love. I think they're very fun. Love watching those. But um, it was really cool watching a drama um, developed in this way. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what else I'd like to say about this film because it's just really tense. It's like, it's a really heavy one. And... Mm -hmm. um, if that's not what you're looking for, that's that's totally cool. That's totally fine. Mm-hmm. But I do think it's a film that has really, really great uh, qualities. And it ultimately is like this intimate drama. It's uh, like an exploration of um, how we deal with our relationships, how we deal with ourselves, how we deal with our emotions. And um, I haven't seen a lot of movies over the past year or so and <laughs> about this, in part because I've been trying to protect myself because emotions are hard, yeah, you know? they are. Uh, <laughs> emotions oh, are very no. hard. <laughs> and um, I think all of us have had a hard time processing or haven't really fully processed what has been happening for the past two years um, mm-hmm. to all of us. And um, watching an intimate drama like this um, that explore so many of these themes is can be a lot, you know, it yeah. can be a lot, but it's also a really important for me. I think representations of this form are always a really important experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's great quality contemporary world cinema. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so with that, we are going to go on another quick Adam PSA break. And when we come back, we have three more movies that we will be talking yes. about. Uh, but regardless, if for some reason you're like, ah, that's not enough movies, go check out Viv. Go check out Viv. You have like another Please. weekend. You got another, what, one, two, three, four, five days. We're literally right in the middle of the festival. Uh, mm-hmm. Definitely go check it out. But uh, let's go into that ad and PSA break now. Individuals who experienced sexual misconduct as a member of the Canadian Armed Forces or as an employee of the Department of National Defence and or staff of the non-public funds Canadian Forces may qualify for financial compensation and participate in a restorative engagement program. Claims for financial compensation and the restorative engagement program must be filed by November 24, 2021. File a claim. Participate in restorative engagement. Be heard. File a claim at caf-dndsexualmisconductclassaction.ca. Without the help and support of our friends, we here at CITR wouldn't be able to bring you all the great music, art, cinema, and culture that you love. Thanks to the long-standing support from the Rio Theatre, we are able to keep you informed on all the great artists, films, and everything else coming to town there. For all the current information about who and what's playing at the Rio Theatre, visit their website at www.riotheatre.ca. And we're back. I'm sorry, that was bad. Uh, <laughs> I should stop singing. <laughs> I was not meant for this. Um, it's okay, though. <laughs> we're still in the note of contemporary world cinema, though. <laughs> Uh, we are. Him is part of the contem- world contemporary yes. cinema. It is a Norwegian film. Ah, uh, yes. So Sylvie and I separately watched yes. <laughs> uh, a Norwegian film called Him. I really wanted to watch this film with my partner, and I'm really gl- glad I did. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say that if you are curious, if your male partner um, is a walking red flag... Make him watch this movie. If he sympathizes too much with the characters, that's probably a rad flag. Um, (laughs) But Sylvie, what's what's this movie about? (laughs) Okay. So him basically follows three different male characters. They don't necessarily know each other, but they overlap in like very slight moments throughout the film. Um, Every single character has a different age and they just have a very different experience of life and society. (laughs) Um, The movie is set in Oslo, so um, Norway's capital city. It starts with a movie director, probably in his like 50s or 60s, um, and he's pitching this um, film idea about like some sort of war hero. um, And yeah, that's basically his pitch. Um, He doesn't really get the um, funds for the film though. And so he gets really frustrated about it. That's where he's at at the beginning. Um, then it zooms into this other character who is this young he's, guy in yeah, his he's like like 20s, like 30s. mid-20s, late, yeah. early 30s, somewhere yeah. in that range. And he is unemployed. But he has this like kind of like, oh no, like the world is just so, so against me. Um, and it's just a very angry character. Um, and then lastly, there's a boy 
who is in primary school um probably has like i was gonna I say like know, sixth 12? grade 12 yeah like yeah, 12 years old yeah definitely has like around 12 right before becoming a teenager but like just when it starts getting like a teenagery boom <laughs> like right there um and he starts having some problems at school because he they don't mention this word but i feel like they should have and that would have scared him which would be plagiarism and academic misconduct because he copied something from the internet but instead of like being really punitive his teacher who's like a very nice um female character she basically is like look um i really wanted you to use your own words for this um this is what the exercise is about um like tell us what you learned exactly. in your own words and exactly. he just keeps reading and obviously this becomes kind of like a an issue right like mm -hmm. you can't copy from the internet and tell people that it's your work um exactly <laughs> um um but yeah she was really compassionate about it she wasn't like i mean at UBC or at university you would be like yo misconduct <laughs> not not allowed but when you're 12 i guess you don't really understand those consequences um, and it was more about a learning experience, but he's really, like, doesn't want to respond and is just, like, angry about it and just storms out of school. Yeah. So ultimately what this movie is about is following these three different men in three different stages of life who are experiencing very similar things mm -hmm. associated to the privilege of being men, of being male. Uh, they yes. are really entitled uh, the three of them are very entitled and they think they deserve certain things and they get really frustrated uh, to mm -hmm. the point that um, they become aggressive um, and take some actions that are just really not okay. Yep. Um, and it stems from their belief that they are deserving of whatever they think they're deserving of. Mm-hmm. And my biggest takeaway uh, on this film is that um, if you don't address privilege, the moment that privilege is addressed, it might feel like oppression. Yes. Um, and I think that's the first time these three men were kind of dealing with this um, moment of humiliation in some, in some way. Mm -hmm. And these uncomfortable feelings of being inadequate because they got used to, you know, succeeding with mediocrity. Um, and that's not something that a lot of us have the privilege of doing. <laughs> exactly. Um, and I feel like the, the middle character, so like the one that um, embodies this kind of tension more like explicitly um, is the, the character that's an unemployed. Um, very explicitly is like the system is so against me and um, if you know a little bit about like Nordic countries just like Norway they actually have a very solid um, like welfare system where um, people that like him that would be unemployed do receive some um, assistance some help in um, getting them back to work but He's just so explicit saying, no, it's just the system. The system yeah. is it's so always rigged. the system. <laughs> it's he's, always the system. Exactly. He's so convinced that everything is against him, even though it's explained in the movie that he has been on unemployment for a year now mm -hmm. uh, and has been unable to secure a job. And the thing is, like, people aren't telling him, like, oh, 
we can't for help you any further. Mm-hmm. What they actually say is like, instead of doing this program, because you're not mm-hmm. just unemployed, you're going to have to go to this different program. Mm-hmm. And he blows it out of proportion and is obviously very disrespectful to every single woman of like female authority yes. that appears. And the moment a male authority appears, he calms down. And I think yeah. that's part of the... Uh, yeah. you know that's like that the system just like reminds you of another one called the patriarchy yeah. <laughs> and it's just like ah right to me one of the most interesting <laughs> characters though is the older man mm-hmm. the the film director because um at one point he says but i'm a feminist yeah. i i i wasn't the female i was at the women's march i believe that yes. women like our women have all these positions in government and stuff like mm-hmm. obviously i'm a feminist and everything, every other word that comes out of his mouth it's is just, just so ingrained in the misogyny that he doesn't actually understand how it's misogynistic. Yeah. He just feels super entitled to have the attention, to have the funding, to mm-hmm. do the thing that he wants to do without actually accounting for um, other voices, other yeah. voices that aren't this like great male hero that he really mm-hmm. wants to make a film about exactly. um i think one of the scenes that i really liked is like he's having dinner with his friends uh, who are two women uh one dude and his wife and they're talking about his film and uh the two women like his friends turn to him as like oh are there going to be any women at, at, on your <laughs> film and he doesn't kind of respond, and they go like, "Oh, of course not. Women didn't exist in the 18th century." <laughs> like, and it's like, and uh. he gets mad about that. He doesn't like, he doesn't understand the irony of it because he mm-hmm. thinks like he takes it as a personal attack. Exactly. Uh, and that's part of the issue. So basically, this film is an exploration of some issues related to men, or you know, how these these things are constructed. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a difficult takeaway um, because it does come with a lot of negative feelings. But my personal takeaway is that, like, this film shows how ingrained we are within the system that exists around us, right? Like, Mm -hmm. um, there is really isn't escaping. And even if you say you're a feminist, like, you do have to put in the work and actually think critically about the things that you're doing and the Mm -hmm. actions and words that you're using um, and where you're going with that. I think the inclusion of the boy was um, an interesting, was to pinpoint that turning point of, like, well, he's either going to go one direction, Mm -hmm. uh, see the error of his mistakes based on, like, the support that he has around him, or he's going to go in this other direction and become the unemployed um, 20 something or yeah. become this successful unsuccessful now <laughs> uh, filmmaker right yeah. like it's kind of those turning points it's as if it's the same man at different stages of his life mm-hmm. experiencing different things um, but basically it aids in the cr- construction of basically an almost single character yeah. that has three different lives yeah and it shows how like different all these different moments um, of like avoiding accountability even from such an young age sometimes children are I don't know they do something and adults make excuses for them they're like oh yeah but it's fine they're just children but we gotta teach our children <laughs> um, about the systems as well and how to um, not fall for 
tropes that will be um, abusive, that will be um, negative, that won't really contribute to making a fairer society. So um, definitely a really good watch. Um, we didn't really spoil like too many details. Um, the thing is, like the the film, the plot in of itself isn't the important part of this exactly. film. It's the construction and the yeah. dialogue is the important part of this film. Yeah, and pinpointing all these themes. But what I was going to say is that it is also available in Viv Connect. So feel free to tune in, please. <laughs> yeah. And now on to slightly lighter, but not really that light, <laughs> um, <laughs> Behind the Headlines. Oh my god, this was so interesting. I watched it last night. <laughs> um, so Behind the Headlines is actually a documentary film. Um, and it is from a very different category. It's from Impact. Um, and Impact films, they sound a lot, like, heavier in a way. But I think I think Behind the Headlines was in itself not like a... What can I say? Um, not really like a... Boom, this is, like, a topic they have to deal with. But it's more, like, little by little starts showing you... It starts showing you what it's about. And what it really does is talk about journalism. In a very non, like, glorifying way. In a way, like, oh, man, journalism's, like, whole democracy. <laughs> um, which, in a way, they... Also, they do. They hold a very important role in any society. Um, but they do have moments of self-criticism, of... Um, moments of thinking about the ethics of journalism, of a story, and also just showing all the work that investigative journalists specifically do all the time. Whenever we look at our phone, whenever you look at a story, there's so much that goes into these. Um, so I think it was fascinating. It was a German documentary. And so it starts following especially these two um, German journalists who were um, part of the big like blow-up story of the Panama Papers, um, which is actually so funny how the world works. Now we're talking about the Pandora Papers, <laughs> another um, set of papers that just like goes out into the world. And surprise, surprise, billionaires are doing stuff <laughs> and rich <laughs> people aren't doing stuff. <laughs> um, and who tells... Who tells us all about this? It's journalists, and it also, um, and also a lot of people that go behind the process of journalism. So the film starts um, with these two um, journalists talking to Edward Snowden, um, who yeah, already like yeah, it's like <laughs> it starts with a boom, like you know this is gonna be really important, and it starts with a bit of a discussion on whistleblowers um, and how sometimes whistleblowers when they don't have enough protection <coughs> excuse me um, that can also be a threat to investigative journalism and um, it goes further into the ethics it goes further into the process of making um, a story that is believable that it is um, ethical, that it is close to the truth, that it is transparent, but at the same time holds um, people in power accountable. So um, these two journalists, uh, journalists, after talking, talking with Snowden in the first scene, um, 
talk about this um, story that's gonna blow up in day X. We don't know what the story is yet, and I don't want to spoil it. <laughs> don't spoil it. <laughs> <laughs> of course, the journalism is out there. <laughs> so it's not like I'm going to spoil in terms of plot, but I just don't want to like say very specifically what happens um, because it is a very nice thread that pull that pulls the the whole documentary, um, and it just goes really. It just shows the life of. Um, the day-to-day journalist, um, investigative journalist, and I just I ha- I have so much respect for um, journalism as a practice and for journalists themselves. Um, there is always this like fear of censorship and threat of censorship, um, which leads to another discussion of how do we protect journalism and how do we protect storytellers um, when the truth is at stake. Um, there is, very early in the film, they also mention um, the killing of this other journalist that also worked on the Panama Papers. And she was one of Malta's, um, one of their most important journalists. And um, she was um, killed in a car bomb. Um, and one of these journalists visits Malta and kind of just reflects and all this and what it means and the fragility of being a journalist sometimes we don't really realize like there are full people with their lives behind all this that we intake in the news today so i think it was a fantastic documentary um i definitely recommend it you can see it um in person october 7th or october 10th but you can also watch it anytime on viv connect it's also not too long it's like 90 minutes and I enjoyed it so much. It was very, very good and I really, really recommend it, especially if you are interested in journalism and if you're interested in um, documentaries. Um, I, I would really recommend it. I think it's a very important watch. So definitely give it a look. Yeah. And to end on a lighter note, uh, Celine and I... Um, two days ago something like that sunday night we watched uh money has four legs this Yay. is a myanmar is a film from myanmar um mm-hmm. which i thought was really cool because i had never seen a film coming from myanmar yeah. um, it's a very small nation uh former burma um yeah I, I don't think it's too small but yeah <laughs> well it's uh, yeah compared to some of its neighbors oh maybe maybe, maybe. <laughs> okay um yeah, and um, so... It's also a different category. This is gateway. Gateway, yeah, which is a kind of a category that's like a gateway into other cultures or something like that, I think. I, I don't know. A lot of the films here are generally from Asia. Mm. So maybe that's what it means, gateway yeah. to Asia. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Money Has Four Legs, the title of the film comes from a Burmese saying that <laughs> basically says that, you know, money has four legs, meaning that um, it's either always running away from you. Like the moment you take, you have money, it's already running away from you or that it's cha- you're ch- having to chase the money right like mm-hmm. you're you're always trying to catch up to money so it's so much faster yeah. than you are because we only have two legs because we only have two <laughs> so money has four <laughs> and um this movie was so frustrating <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> not because it wasn't well made. The movie itself, very well made. Yeah. The characters very well constructed. The plot creation very well. But mm-hmm. I was just so mad at the characters because they were so like so they were really well constructed. But I was just mad at them because I was like, I knew they were gonna make stupid decisions, and then they made the stupid decision. <laughs> and I was just like, please stop making these decisions. Yeah, I want you to succeed so bad. Yeah. <laughs> And, you know, like, the entire film is chasing money. It's, like, basically really pushing that idea of, like, oh, my God, like, I need them to make other choices. Yeah, but it's, I, I should say it's not chasing money in the sense of, like, oh, the American dream, you're going to do this, you're going to succeed, and then, poof, you're famous and you're rich and whatnot. But it's more like chasing money is as in, like... Basic these people needs. are in, yeah. yeah, these people have needs, they're in, like, precarious, like, living situations or or work situations. Um, the character, the main character is a film director. Um, his wife works at a bank that's gonna go bust. <laughs> and then there's this other character that's um, his wife's um, brother, and he's kind of just, like, a mess. <laughs> yeah. Uh, has a car shop, but at the same time, like, doesn't really work. It's not making enough money. Like, all of them are struggling to make a living. And the film is centered around filmmaking. It's this dude who's a director trying really hard to finish the film that he started. Mm-hmm. And it's a rem- the film that he's working on is a remake of a 1940s gangster film. Yeah. Um, it- it's very convoluted. Um, as a very fun watch, though, yes. very fun, although frustrating to very me. Comedic moments. The, a lot of comedic moments, very fun. And honestly, what I really enjoyed the most about this film was to have like this gateway mm-hmm. into Burmese culture. Like I had never been exposed to yeah. anything from Myanmar, and I was just like really like oh that's that's cool like yeah that's not something i've seen before but like i'm that's cool you know (laughs) yeah and all the music's different the whole environment like it just looks it just really takes you in not just the environment but the story we're kind of just going there we are seeing this like um this apartment that looks stuffy and like how these people live and how they kind of want to move they have to move because they're going to be kicked out um and just so many pressures that keep building up, but in moments that are both funny and frustrating. Yeah, you just feel for them. And that's part of the reason that's frustrating because you want them to succeed. You are really, really rooting for them. And, you know, life is is the way life is. Yes. Lots of ironic moments as well. Yeah. Uh, really fun so, watch. Yeah. And so with that, I hope you enjoyed our reviews of uh, all these shows. Uh, all these shows, all these movies. Uh, there will be more next week. We are really excited about Viv uh, still. I hope you get to catch uh, some movies. And yeah, until next week. Um, goodbye, everyone. Have a goodbye. great evening. Sorry that I've been coughing, but I just really need water. Like, promise it's not COVID. It's, it's just dehydration. Okay, so I just <laughs> need water. We've been talking. We've been talking. <laughs> awesome. Um, until next time. Bye-bye. Listening to CITR 101.9 FM in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada.